We got any historians in here? Anyone that just really loves history? I noticed none of the students hold up their hands, okay? Oh, Kurt, good. Well, I didn't used to appreciate history either until I realized it wasn't just a bunch of dates and men's names and women's names. It was his story. It is God's story. And you know, that, I think that probably took place the first um, uh, Bible survey course that Linda, took, Linda and I took back in uh, Germany back in uh, the mid-80s, late 80s. And uh, that was just really transformational in, uh, in our lives. And I started seeing then uh, it, it in a whole different context. And, you know, um, for you students, um, every, not just history, but every discipline in that college course catalog, God has, to say, has something to say about. You can, you can just open it up and there's everything whether it's economics, whether it's history, philosophy, God has something to say about that. As a matter of fact, the university system actually came out of God's church. And it was, uh, but there was one thing that was different, is that theology was known as the queen of the sciences, the queen of the university, because only theology gives meaning to uh, all those other disciplines. We, uh, we can, uh, scientists, you know, everybody's going, oh, you know, you got to believe the science. Well, science can tell us how things work sometimes, but it can't tell us why it works. And only God and theology are able to do that. So um, let me take you back. Use your creative imaginations for a moment. And let's go back to a time when there are seasons, you know, spring, summer, harvest, winter, and months. Remember the moon that God gave us, the lesser light to control the night? And, um, but there's no idea or semblance of past, present, future, just an endless circular present. Would you believe that there was such a time as this? A modern historian by the name of Thomas Cahill tells us that is exactly what the world's like before God called Abraham out of, a, a, a Sumerian out of Ur of the Chaldees, what is modern-day Iraq, some 4,000 years ago. As Cahill describes it in his book, The Gift of the Jews, when God called Abraham, he also called the whole world into time and history. According to Cahill, among the many things we take for granted, our concept of time, progress, history, and even our notion of what it means to be human, we owe to the Jews and the God of Scripture. From Genesis onward, Cahill writes, the Bible presents us with a new way of thinking about and experiencing reality. Cahill elaborates. He says, you know, the Sumerians uh, would give kind of thumbnail sketches of each king's reign, but they were arranged without the least regard for what may in fact have occurred. In other words, it wasn't actual history. 
in, in, Sumeria, in Sumerian history. For example, some of the kings are said to rule for hundreds of years. Others are said to have ruled for thousands of years. And this concept of history also affected their storytelling. Uh, the Sumerian stories lack the beginning, middle, ending structure that we associate with narrative today. Instead, they began in the middle, and they ended in the middle. Pretty crazy, huh? So when Moses wrote Genesis, it was the first time anyone attempted to put down a history that included a true sense of time and accurate dates. You know, all those dates in Genesis, how long people lived in all, they really do mean something. There was a purpose in capturing them. The Old Testament writings of Moses represent the first attempt to get facts, genealogies, and chronologies right. In short, history as we understand it today. And in recent years, the great archaeological discoveries of the Middle East have shown, have confirmed that these facts indeed are true. And those chronologies indeed are accurate. Now, I... Too bad the little kids are gone because I decided to do show and tell today. And I brought one of my favorite teaching tools. How many of y'all have a synchronological timeline of the Bible? Okay. This is known as Adam's Synchronological Charge of Universal History. It's a timeline of the Bible. And uh, in the mid-1800s, this fellow by the name of S.C. Adams, he was an educator, he was an author, he was an Oregon State Center, senator, created what he described as a map of history that would allow his students to not only see a map of where an event happened in history, but he would be able to see where it happened in time. Uh, he, for those you teaching types, he used object teaching to separate the important facts of history from the lesser facts and eventually transferred what he called his mind maps to create a canvas that could be displayed on a wall. And if I were to roll this out today, it would be 28 feet long. It covers 5,882 years of recorded history from 4004 BC to 1878 AD. And it's just fascinating because... What you, when you get into uh, the later histories, what you find is that you have all of the cultures displayed. So you not only see what was going on in Israel at that time, but you see what was taking place in China, India, other parts of the world. It's really a, it's really a fascinating thing to study. And uh, it'll bring you to your knees because you've know, you got to roll it out on the floor. Okay. But getting back to our story of Abraham, his journey, just the fact that he was called from Samaria to the Promised Land also represented a pronounced break with the familiar cyclical mindset of that day. Uh, Abram, first Abram, God renames him to Abraham, was leaving a sophisticated culture. Uh, Would you believe that the Babylonians had indoor plumbing and running water in the desert? Okay. And... um, Yet, Abraham was called by God to leave his home and go to a strange place. He was then childless, 
And Abraham was told by God that he is going to raise from Abraham's seed a great nation. Cahill says this concept of a distant, unforeseen future and a personal or national destiny was unheard of prior to the time of Abraham. So that's kind of one of the, the other gifts that God has given us is that not only has he given us the gift of history, but he has promised and he has shown himself to be active in that very history. God's purpose was for a special people who would model him and his plan for mankind before the rest of the world. He liberated them from captivity in Egypt. You know, we uh, read about that in, uh, in, in, of course, Exodus. He gives them an identity, takes them to the desert, gives them an identity, gives them a purpose. He gives them laws to govern themselves and a culture, then he places them in this promised land. And, you know, the, the, the Bible land there that, um, that God gave him was so very unique, and it was very strategic because it was on the trade routes of the then-known world. And so the objective was that as, as people... Uh, traversed that area, that they would interact with, uh, with these Jewish people, and they would get a picture of their God. As a matter of fact, um, if we go to, uh, um, to 1 Samuel, and we've got uh, young David standing before Goliath, what does he declare? He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. Okay? So David's objective is that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That was God's purpose for them, that they would know a real God, the real God, the one and only God. Of course, as we know from the rest of the Old Testament, children of Israel continue to fail and uh, to fulfill their destiny and uh, God's plan for them, except that ultimately they become a con- the conduit for God's ultimate solution, that being God incarnate, God in human flesh, the light of the world, Jesus Christ come to save and redeem to come and ultimately reconcile man and their creation back to God. Remember, it says that even the creation groans in travail, awaiting Christ's return. Years after Christ's coming, Paul will declare declare to the Galatians uh, this, this statement. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Now, we could plow a whole sermon just around that one passage of Scripture because what, what, um, 
what Paul is doing is showing them the transition from uh, the state of law and living under the law to actually being uh, brought into God's family and being adopted as sons. This was a very, uh, a very relevant topic in, in that age and all because uh, in the Roman culture, you would uh, sometimes adopt a young man, not as, a, not as an infant, as a baby, but a young man and uh, into your family to carry on your family name. And so that's the kind of adoption that it would have full rights of, uh, of, the, um, of the father and the household and uh, would be that and would be that heir. Now, um, great example of this is if any of y'all have ever seen the movie Ben Hur, and if you haven't, you ought to put it on your Easter uh, your your Easter movie must see list because it's it's great and that's illustrated very well in there. But um, we're not going to cover that whole passage today. I want to zero in on those first few words. But when the fullness of time had come. We're going back to the history. And this is another thing that uh, I've learned about the Bible. There are no extra- extraneous words. How many of y'all have uh, written papers and you added fluff? You've added adjectives and adverbs and stuff to, uh, to make it stretch? Stretch it? Okay. There's, there's no stretching in the Bible. Every word has been ordained by God, and it has carries full weight. So what we're going to zero in on is this statement, but when the fullness of time had come. What does that mean? What are the circumstances that God orchestrated, that God put into place in order to send his son into the world? We're going to look at that. Um, first of all, if we go to the Old Testament... I think uh, a lot of y'all probably know that there's over 250 Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus coming and during his lifetime. But did you also know that God used a world conqueror, a common language, a people and their traditions, a great world empire, and a deep void in human hearts to be able to bring his message of hope? Let's take each one of those at one at a time. First of all, a world conqueror. That was Alexander of Macedon, better known as Alexander the Great. Um, he was uh, he's a very interesting young man. Uh, he, he came from uh, kind of a, a high level in the, in the culture, but he was, a, he was a very talented military tactician. He was educated by Aristotle. And if you've ever thought about uh, the early philosophers, it's, it's kind of an interesting association because you, you, the ones that we really know, Socrates, Socrates trained Plato, who trained Aristotle, who was the teacher of Alexander the Great. And so through this uh, training and teaching, he, he gained a great uh, love for the Greek language and the Greek culture. And so when he starts out on his conquest, and he conquered Persia in 330 B.C., then um, he really wanted to pass along that uh, Hellenistic um, framework throughout his empire. Now, he's also a very tragic figure. As uh, most stories go, he dies around 33 years of age. He was an alcoholic, 
and um, he was depressed because there were no more lands to conquer. Now, the story is told of him actually trying to crawl away into the night and drown himself in the river so that people would think that he was a god. So uh, God can use even broken men because that's the, this Greek culture brings us to the next significant point, and that's a common language, Greek, okay, Greek. Greek is uh, the most accurate language of, the, of all times, and it became the com- common language or the lingua franca of Jesus' time. So um, everyone would be speaking Greek. It's um, one of three languages that are used in the Bible, the first being Hebrew, of course, and that's a very specific language as well, Aramaic for a small portion of Daniel, and then Greek. And uh, matter of fact, the first uh, New Testament, the Septuagint, was actually produced in, uh, in Greek. Um, next thing he uses is empire builders, all right? And that's the Romans. The Romans became the Greek successor to, to, uh, to Alexander's generals. There were four generals that uh, took over after he died, and two of them really became dominant. And there was one, Ptolemy, he was down in Egypt, and there was Seleucus, who was, uh, he kind of ruled in Syria and Macedonia. And, and so there, there was warring back and forth again across little Israel uh, by, these, by these generals. But then uh, Roman became the conqueror of both empires in 63 BC. And Rome totally ruled the world. And here's the impact of that. The day of closed frontiers was over the day of separate, self-sufficient, antagonistic nations gazing suspiciously at one another across bristling defenses was gone. All the way from the Atlantic to the Caspian, from Britain to the Nile, from Hadrian's Wall to the Euphrates, the Roman standards could be seen. Everywhere in the the barriers were down. The chaos had been welded and consolidated into a community. The world was one big neighborhood. Not necessarily a happy neighborhood, but it was one big neighborhood. And so there, was, there were these open borders, and people could pass back and forth. Then uh, there was the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. It was the greatest period of peace in, in uh, recorded history. Rome was the last of four great empires. Uh, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. And the, um, you know, after Rome fell, what we end up going to is, are the, the nation states. And so uh, that's kind of a, another era. But um, because Rome was so powerful and so expansive, uh, they, they also had leaders who were, who were very fearful. And among them, of course, Caesar. And so he was um, concerned uh, about about the outer reaches of his empire, and they built a series of military roads, very significant, complex military roads, all slave labor, of course. And um, if, you, if you go across Turkey today, you'll see these large mounds that, um, along the roads that housed um, a uh, signal tower. And it's said that they could, at night, they could flash messages 
and they could get a message from the far end of the empire to Rome in just a, um, a matter of, um, of days using those signals. Uh, in Europe, you see the remains of, uh, of the uh, Roman roads and the bridges. It's amazing how those bridges have stood up all these years. And those same roads, though, later are going to be used to spread the gospel of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The earliest copies of the New Testament are found in Egypt with the Coptics. And um, James, Jesus' uh, brother, is uh, one of the first to go to, um, to India via those roads and uh, he, where he ministered there and was ultimately martyred. Next, we have the Hebrew tradition. And again, this was a gift of God. There was an expectation of a Messiah, do you recall? Jewish people carried into captivity uh, were, were spread across the world. Because as you recall, the northern kingdom of uh, the ten tribes were carried off by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And what always amazes me is that Judah and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the south, they, they never did learn their lesson from that. And so they carry on in their, um, in their rejection of God's rule. And uh, Bab- Babylon captures them and carries them off into Babylonian captivity in 588 B.C. And then also you've got uh, those two generals the, as, that I referred to before. Even before Christ, people were being carried off into all the corners of the world. So what's the consequences of that? Is there any good outcome that comes out of uh, those kinds of conquests? Well, the beauty was that the hope was shared with those outside of Israel. You had colonies of Jews and synagogues living in the far-flung corners of the empire. As a matter of fact, um, they never worshipped foreign gods after the Babylonian captivity. But the synagogue, the synagogue um, system was really established there. And um, the anticipation of a coming king then was known also to the Gentiles. That was one of the beauties. There was a very specific knowledge of a coming Messiah. And probably one of the greatest examples of this was, uh, was Daniel. Remember, Daniel was carried off into Babylon and uh, never to return to, uh, to his homeland. But he, was the, um, he served under uh, really pretty much three different uh, regimes and highly regarded and became the chief of the priestly group of the wise men known as the Magi. Uh, and that's in, they were in both um, Babylon and then Medo-Persia. Those are most likely the wise men who end up coming year two to visit uh, the baby Jesus. And uh, so we can surmise that uh, the, the earliest of Gentile believers um, may have actually been those, those men who, um, who came to see the baby Jesus. We can also assume that Paul's reception at Lystra, Derbe, Troas, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, and Ephesus would have been far different uh, had this word not gone out and there being this anticipation. Because what was Paul's strategy for, um, for 
when, when he would hit a new town, what was the first thing he did? He went to the synagogue to minister to uh, the Jewish people in the synagogue, and then if he was rejected from there, then he, uh, he approached the, uh, the Gentiles in the, in the area and the believing Jews. And then there was a deep void in human hearts. There was great spiritual confusion. Now, there's plenty of spiritism just like there is today. Now, Rome's approach to the gods, you know, as they, as they gobbled up countries and uh, all over uh, the world, they, um, they let you worship your own god, but you just had to uh, bow to the Caesars as well. Um, there were certainly the great philosophies of the Greeks, um, and, but there was also um, moral deterioration. Women had absolutely no standing in uh, the culture of that day. They were treated as property. A Roman uh, man could, uh, if he didn't like her anymore, he could just have her killed. And um, infant abandonment, they would just, uh, if they didn't want the child, they would abandon them out, in the, um, out in, the, in the streets to be carried off into slavery or whatever you can imagine, uh, horrible scenario. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's the early Christians who are rescuing, start rescuing those children many years later. So there was this hunger for decency and justice. And finally, there had been, in terms of spiritual uh, problems and confusion, there had been 400 silence, 400 years of silence from God. If you remember, Malachi is the, uh, the last uh, testament and the last book in the Old Testament. And then there's an entire 400 years. I mean, America hadn't even been around, but that, anywhere near that long. You know, can you imagine that never hearing from God for 400 years? And, of course, John the Baptist becomes the, um, the, actually the last prophet in pointing to uh, the coming Christ. So as a result, we have a bunch of people who are really primed for hope. And, and of course, hope is delivered. Hope is, one, delivered in exactly the way they expected. They expected a military general to come in and to overthrow those uh, brutal Romans and liberate them. And uh, what they didn't understand and appreciate is that they first had to have a suffering servant and... uh, that this was only the first time that he would come. And then later, he would come as uh, that, ruling, that ruling king. So I hope that these uh, stories and uh, aspects intrigue you as much as they do me, because I know that God wants us to identify, understand, and appreciate all that he has done on our behalf. Uh, he wants us to remember what he has done and celebrate it. I think I looked up uh, just the word remember in the Bible is used like 297 times. And um, he's always just calling us back to remember, remember, remember what he has done. Uh, remember when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River. What did, um, what did Joshua instruct them to do? They were to take, each tribe was to take a stone out of the center of the river because it was dry and place it and uh, build a monument, okay, so that their children would ask, Dad, what is this about? 
and you say, this signifies, this helps us to remember that God led us across the Jordan River in a dry river. And, uh, you know, we hear also these, um, uh, the term, you know, here I raised my Ebenezer. That wasn't a kid's name. And Ebenezer was a standing stone. And so all through the Bible, God wants us to focus on providing standing stones that would help to call our family, point our family back to the truth of what God has done. So he wants us to remember what he's done and celebrate it to teach our children lest we become prideful and start thinking everything around us is the product of man's genius. See, God created not only the physical order, but he's given us the social order in the institutions as well as that physical order. And if we think that it's all our doing, then uh, why should we be surprised that we're getting uh, the results that we are in the culture today? where the violations of the principles of those institutions, the family, the state, and the church were absolutely devastating. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God is patient and long-suffering. Not only did he provide for the people of the first century, his chosen people, but he is willing to accept any today who are weary, heavy laden, and desiring peace and hope in their own hearts. And the additional benefit is that uh, we'll actually have lives of meaning and purpose. He's still willing to use broken people like you and me for his glory. Won't you come to him today?